0: This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know from CQ Roll Call reporters in Washington. I'm Jason Dick. Today is Monday, June 29th. The toll of the pandemic is rising and shows no signs of abatement, especially here in the United States. There are more than 10 million known cases across the globe, and one quarter of all deaths have been here in the U.S. Masks. PPE and PPP have all become part of the daily lexicon. As a sign of the jitters this is causing, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi extended her chamber's rule allowing proxy voting to mid August, citing ongoing concerns about the spread of the coronavirus and making sure Congress doesn't become part of the problem. And in Jacksonville, Florida, where President Donald Trump is scheduled on August 27th to accept his party's nomination, City officials are now requiring people to wear a mask when out in public. The president chose Jacksonville after spurning Charlotte because health officials there insisted on measures to protect convention-goers and city residents. And as economic distress continues with up to one-fifth of the labor force out of work, Pelosi and Senator Chuck Schumer are calling on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell again to start negotiations on a new coronavirus relief bill. Tonight, we delve into health policy news and there is a lot of it. We begin with CQ Roll Call staff writer, Emily Kopp.
1: Two of the president's top allies have urged mask wearing in recent days as coronavirus cases have spiked across the country. Here's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell.
0: We must have no stigma, none, about wearing masks when we leave our homes and come near other people. Wearing simple face coverings is not about protecting ourselves. It is about protecting everyone we encounter.
1: And here's Vice President Mike Pence on a visit to Texas over the weekend. The state is seeing crisis-level hospitalization
0: rates. We encourage uh, everyone to wear a mask uh, in the affected areas. And where you can't maintain social distancing, uh, wearing a mask is just a good idea.
1: Those comments come just two days after Pence declined to say whether states should require masks. Though more evidence has emerged in recent weeks underscoring the benefit of wearing masks to cut transmission, Pence often declined to wear one. The statement follows several days of pandemic peaks, apparently driven by people flocking to bars, restaurants, and vacation spots. Some press reports have faulted President Donald Trump, Republican state governors, and congressional leaders for not urging mask wearing more forcefully. The president has publicly disengaged from the pandemic since about Memorial Day. That's around the same time that many states began to ease shelter at home orders, leading to the spikes in cases we're seeing now. Trump and some of his aides reportedly opposed the CDC guidance that recommends everyone wear a mask when a safe distance of six feet is difficult to maintain. CDC, which houses many experts in public health communication and multiple television studios, has apparently not launched any large scale PSAs promoting mask wearing. The agency has had just two press briefings since the early weeks of the pandemic. At a briefing last week, the agency floated the idea of using TikTok videos to get the word out, but details are still unclear. During the H1N1 epidemic, CDC held a press briefing every day for weeks, including on weekends, experts tell me, until it no longer had news to share. Today, in a more dire outbreak where information is changing rapidly, the presence of CDC has been much diminished. Finally, drug maker Gilead Sciences announced it would price its experimental COVID-19 drug at $3,120 for a five-day course of treatment. That's $520 per vial. That's a lot higher than other rich countries will pay. Gilead has priced the drug at $2,340 for a five-day course of treatment or $390 per vial for those countries. The company will grant that price to some government payers, like the Departments of Veteran Affairs and Indian Health Services, which are empowered to negotiate drug prices. Medicare is not. The drug improved recovery time for COVID-19 patients by four days in a May study conducted by the National Institutes of Health. NIH's Anthony Fauci acknowledged it wasn't a blockbuster, but that it could lead to further advances. Another drug, a cheap steroid called dexamethasone, showed stronger evidence for reducing mortality in patients on ventilators. Gilead says the price of remdesivir is a great deal, given that it could reduce hospitalization costs faced by some patients by thousands of dollars. Patient advocates say Gilead's price is unacceptable, especially given that taxpayer dollars helped develop the drug and the dirt cheap cost of manufacturing it.
0: Now to CQ Roll Call staff writer Mary Ellen McIntyre, who has the latest on Congress and its push to expand the 2010 health care law.
2: Today, the House voted to approve legislation to expand on the 2010 health care law, commonly known as the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. The final vote was 234 to 179, mostly along party lines. The bill would expand premium assistance. That's the federal tax credits that help people to afford their monthly premiums and make it so that no one who's buying insurance on the exchanges set up under the law would pay more than 8.5% of their annual income on premiums. The bill would also encourage states to expand Medicaid eligibility while the healthcare law originally expanded Medicaid eligibility across the board, the Supreme Court made it optional for states to do so. So this would incentivize states with additional federal money to expand Medicaid eligibility for the more than a dozen states that have not yet expanded that eligibility. It would also pay for these expansions of financial assistance for health insurance by allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. The House floor was the spot for a debate on this bill today where Democrats, you know, tried to draw a comparison with the Trump administration, which last week asked the Supreme Court to overturn the health care law in full. While the Democrats' bill is unlikely to get picked up for consideration by the Republican-controlled Senate later this year, this bill and its passage was a way for Democrats to draw a comparison with the Republican administration to show their position on health care at a time where health insurance and health care is even more of a top priority for people given the coronavirus pandemic. The issue is always set to be a top issue in the 2020 election this upcoming November. But with the coronavirus pandemic and people losing their jobs and with it, their employer-sponsored health insurance in some cases more and more people are turning to the exchanges that were set up under the law. Federal data released last week showed that nearing 500,000 people have turned to the exchanges to purchase a health insurance plan in a special enrollment period after losing their coverage so far this year. So the healthcare law is an option that is there for people who have lost their job-affiliated health insurance, although the administration has not set up a new special enrollment period for people to sign up for coverage generally if they don't qualify for a special enrollment period, which is something that Democrats have criticized in recent weeks. As the House has voted to expand health insurance, like I said, the Senate is unlikely to take up the bill. But tomorrow, the Senate is going to be hearing from some of the key health officials in the administration who are helping to guide the administration's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci, CDC Director Robert Redfield, Assistant Secretary for Health Brett Jawa, and FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn will all be back before the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee tomorrow morning to testify for the second time in the last few weeks about how we reopen the country going back to school and work. Um, And this comes as some states have paused their reopening because of the rising number of cases in many states across the country.
0: Finally, as a sign that the pandemic is having an effect on all sectors of life, Alabama officials on Monday asked the Supreme Court to allow three counties to fully enforce provisions to ensure absentee ballots are legitimate during a July 14th runoff election. The application seeks to insert the justices into the debate over how to conduct elections in the midst of a national health crisis. That's going to do it for tonight's podcast. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for listening.